0: Due to a technical error, the first eight minutes of today's worship service did not record properly. We now join the service in progress.
1: The Monday following uh, that All Hallows Day is All Saints Day, and we are having a special worship service of remembrance and reflection that evening, so November 1st at 7 p.m. Uh, come here if you are able, or tune in to us if if that's how you would like to join us and participate in our service of remembrance. We want to be lifting up all those who have passed on to life eternal during these pandemic years and reflect a little bit upon uh, the healing of our grief through that process. I hope you're noticing in the Sunday uh, announcements, they come out on Friday or Sunday, the announcements from your church, that there's a great variety of volunteer opportunities or ways by which you can share of your resources to help support good things. I'm just drawing your attention to it. I hope you pay attention to, to what's there. And one of the things that that is brought forward there is that we are in a stewardship campaign now to uh, fund our ministries in 2020. 20- Uh, 22 you are aware that this is a a particularly important year for us to uh, rebound uh, towards our future over the last couple years we've we've suffered um some storms um as you are aware storms that were generated from denominational issues on inclusiveness and and we uh saw our way clear to wanting to be a church that had open doors and and open hearts. Social unrest kind of moved through our community and uh, through our church, and we were clear that we wanted to be a congregation that extended compassion and hope to all kind of folk. And all the dislocations and uncertainties of the pandemic in which we needed to distance ourselves even though we wanted to be in one another's embrace and felt the need to be drawn even closer to one another. These were challenging times. These are in the metaphor that we're using of setting a course for a better life, our sailing metaphor. These are storms that have been upon the sea of our personal lives as followers of Christ Jesus and as a congregation. We're called now to try to find the way to our sea legs, to get our sea legs underneath us during this storm. And so I uh, reach out to all of you to be thinking about uh, how God might be leading you to be uh, active and supportive of your congregation and of one another as we find our way into our future. And call your particular attention to the importance of doing it uh, financially as well as prayerfully as we find our way to 2022. October 31st is our in-gathering of pledge cards. So if you can make a decision by then and get that card forward to uh, the church, it will help us to have a a good in-gathering on that Sunday. So, we've been thinking about setting a course for a better life, and one of the things that we have realized is that there are a number of things that we want to realize. First, the vision of who we want to see ourselves, and perhaps the question that we would ask of ourselves, how do we want our grandchildren to understand us? What we said what we did, who we are, in the good literature of the church, we're talking about how do we become our true selves that bring glory to God and uh, honor to one another and ourselves. We want to have a good boat and a crew, and if that's not getting too crazy, we realize that there's multiple selves that we are, ways in which we present ourselves, and all of that needs to work together to our health and where we're going. We want to have a safe harbor, and that, we hope, is our congregation, our church, the place in which we can gather supplies and strengthen ourselves, retool ourselves to go off and sail the seas. We need adequate supplies for that journey. It goes on over time, doesn't it? It goes on over years. And we retool sometimes and get better sails, a little bit more supplies sometimes, and we find ourselves perhaps with a little better direction about where we want to head. Well, all of this is what the sermons have been about this fall, and we're now talking about moving from being preparing for the journey to actually being on the journey. And we've had some, some good sermons from Rachel that have drawn our attention to how the true north of Jesus, which is what we want to be setting our course by, might get a little confusing because there is a magnetic north of living in society. So it takes some work and some discernment to be able to identify where is our true north. We also recognize that we need to trim our sails and that's what we're talking about these next Sundays trimming our sails, recognizing that perhaps we're heading in a direction that we don't want to head into or that there may be calamity in that direction and so we trim our sails. We don't want to get into a place where we're just buffeted by the wind and we are in irons. Those of you who are sailors are going to go, oh, yeah, all right, sailing term. Don't want to get in irons. We want our sails to be full of the wind of the Spirit propelling us towards where we want to go. Our speech and our behaviors have consequences which support us or distract us from our goal. Today we want to talk a little bit about getting a clear sense of what it is that we believe because that also helps to propel us rightly or wrongly into the storms that are around us. So, let us center ourselves in God's spirit and prepare ourselves to be open to the word of God for us this day.
2: and join me in the call to worship as projected on the screen in front of you. Setting sail, we seek the winds of the Spirit to carry us forward. These beliefs help to give us understanding for our lives and give them meaning. Let us remain standing as we sing our opening hymn.
1: Please, uh, be seated. Was that fun to stand up? We used to do that in church, didn't we? (laughs) All right. Well, you're welcome to do that um, unless we're in the middle of the sermon. Um, But any other time, or or maybe the prayer time. But any other time, if you want to stand up, uh, stretch your legs. I can't tell if you're laughing at me or not under those masks, so I'm a little unnerved as to whether that's totally falling flat or not. Um, uh, it's good to be back together and to try to recapture some of the things that are part of our pattern of how we uh, facilitate our encounter with God and uh, one of the biggest things of that is being in each other's presence and praying so let's do that as best as we can online, and in person. Let us unite our spirits and be in prayer. Holy God, we are thankful that we have gotten this far in our lives. For all the blessings that have been ours, we give you thanks. We pray that you would give us a spirit that would discern just how many moments and looks and words and actions of others to us are blessings indeed. Help us to be good people in community with one another. Will we help to lift up each one of us to be our better selves? And we pray that through this worship, your spirit would not only be present, but would work within our congregation and within each one of us to help us along on that journey. All this in your name we pray. Amen.
2: This is the time in our worship service where I have the opportunity to talk to the children of our church. And I want to share with you a little bit about a man named Abram. Some of you guys started talking about him last week, and some of you are starting to talk about him this week. Abram is a man who had the opportunity to talk to God and to hear what God was saying in his life. Now, most of us will say that I've never actually heard God talk to me directly, but Abram is someone who had that chance. God spoke to Abram at one time and said, take your family and go to a place that you don't know. And he did that, and he went. Trusting that God would be with him all the way. He took his wife, he took his nephew, and they began to journey At a certain point, Abram and his nephew decided that they had too much stuff and they needed to part paths. So they set out on different directions. Sometimes in our faith walk, we have people that we've walked with for a long while that all of a sudden aren't with us anymore. But that's okay because we know that God is with us. And as Abram and Lot separated ways and went different directions, God showed up to Abram again and said, I am with you and I promise great things for you. We have a God who promises great things for all of us and wants us to live lives that listen for God's voice and live lives that continue to honor God's will. So I hope this day as you head off to Sunday school or you do crafts at home, that you think about how God might be blessing you this day and God might be inviting you to go on the next part of your journey of faith. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer as we take a moment to talk to God? Dear God, God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow and yesterday. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for blessing us. Help us to hear you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, those of you that are here, have a great time in Sunday school.
1: We're taking some uh, time during our worship service this morning um, because today is Laity Sunday. And so we want to Uh, to pause and to honor a few lay people of our congregation who have served the church and have served God in outstanding ways. We are grateful uh, for their efforts, and so we want to acknowledge them. We started this uh, over two years ago and then got interrupted by the pandemic. But we started at our 50th anniversary year because we, they, uh, we had a number of people that just were really uh, strong servants to the church um, who perhaps we had not recognized as uh, widely and as deeply as we should have. And so we did some of that that year and that was a marvelous thing. Pandemic's gotten in the way for a couple years, but Rachel and I want to bring back this and reestablish it as a tradition that we might do uh, each October on Laity Sunday, honor some people in the church. So today we want to uh, honor a couple who have just been outstanding servants of this church Uh, over um, just about all the decades that this church has been a church. Phil and Jeannie Severance, would you uh, come up? Yeah, they don't know about it, so give them a moment or two to catch their breath. Come on up, you two! Uh, We were just praying that God would find a way. Uh, and, And that's really not... Exaggerating because uh, there were some concerns this week about some things. Um, over the last 45 years, for nearly as long as the church has existed, these two have been in our midst doing things for the congregation and for God, and, and we are just so very thankful. They've served in a variety of positions. If you know them well, you can think of all the different leadership things in the church, and, and they very well might have been serving in that way, most predominantly through uh, trustee types of matters for Phil, and through hospitality membership kind of matters for Jeannie. Um, Using the talents of their heart and of their minds and their brawn to help this church be the kind of church it could be as a loving family of faith and as a well-equipped campus to support our mission work. And so, we want to take some time this morning just to say thank you to God bless you. Next, we want to honor, um, and and this comes as no surprise to Paul Fay, because um, your pastor is basically a knucklehead and and I wrote out what the worship was going to be and I sent it to Paul so he knew what to expect with the other segments of the service because he's running the tech back there and I didn't really connect the fact that in it I said things that I didn't want to have him know. So the service is working beautifully today, thanks to that slip-up on my part. But Paul also is not going to be as surprised as uh he could have been this morning. But we wanna honor Paul. We wanna honor yeah. We wanna honor Paul and Warren Tabitall. Paul and Warren have given their expertise already attained and newly acquired through their efforts to help our congregation stay connected through the pandemic challenges to our worship service, through our worship service. Paul and Warren shaped our worship media technology and content cobbling together pre-recorded videos with live broadcasted moments from our homes in different parts of the county, and then outside on campus from our memorial garden, and then from here inside our sanctuary. So we thank them for meeting that need. Now Warren has had to step away from his work here with us on the tech team, yet Paul continues to give leadership to our efforts, and we are especially, Paul, thankful for you for your ongoing dedication and sacrifice and it has been sacrificial I recognize that in many and many times in helping our congregation to step into our future we are blessed by your spirit by your your caring and by the sharing of your talents and we thank you and we thank your family for sharing you with us as much as they do Paul Thank you so much. Rick <clears throat> taking our uh, honoring plaque uh, to Warren as she heads home today. <music>
2: join me in prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we have faith in Jesus Christ and love towards your people, yet we are not without blemish in your sight, not full of love, wisdom, and other spiritual blessings you still have available for us. Our love is not as inclusive as yours, and there is much we need to learn. Give us clearer vision of all that we are meant to be, so that by becoming fulfilled, we may increase the glory that is properly revealed in Jesus Christ, your beloved. We take a moment of silence to reflect on those places in our lives where we seek awareness and clearer vision. God of our hopes, Christ of our faith, spirit in our hearts, we worship you with joy and gladness. Your goodness knows no limits of generation or gender, of condition or citizenship. You are kind to all. We worship you in all sincerity through Jesus Christ our Lord. As people of faith, we bring you the prayers of our community. We join with Dee Crawford in lifting up prayers for the family of Tom Tracy, who passed away on Wednesday. We ask you to surround Kay and her family with comfort and concern as they grieve Tom's passing and learn to live without him. O Lord, hear our prayers. We hold Roz Tabo in our prayers as she is out of town attending to her mother, who is not doing well. O Lord, hear our prayers. We ask you to be with Linda Northrup, as she has her last reconstructive surgery on Monday. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up Kathy Drake, as they have found a new mass on her fifth rib. Be with her in this time of discernment, and as she prepares to receive radiation treatment. We know that there is a bit of concern, but her family celebrates in the fact that she can continue the special trial that she is on. Be with the whole family and with Kathy as they continue on this road. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join with Polly Tattersall Martin in lifting up prayers for her niece, Sandy DeLong, as well as Polly's brother, Pat McLaughlin, both who are in the midst of cancer treatments. Oh Lord, hear our prayers we join with kathy huber in lifting up prayers for her grandson carson who is home from the hospital but has a long road ahead of him after his brain trauma last week oh lord hear our prayers we join with margie price in asking for prayers for her granddaughters jessica who has type 1 uh, diabetes and is suffering from pneumonia at the moment at home with oxygen after a period of hospitalization. We also lift up prayers for Rebecca who recently began training in Salt Lake City to be a Mormon missionary in Independence, Missouri for 18 months. Lord, be with both of Margie's granddaughters this day. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We don't just come to you with concerns, O Lord, but we come to you with celebrations as well. And we celebrate with the gears, the joy and thanks that Terry's sister had good test results from her heart issues and is doing well. We also celebrate with the gears that Rick's niece, Pam, is recovering well after her treatment from breast cancer. O Lord, hear our prayers. We celebrate the blood drive that we had on campus yesterday. We give thanks for all that donated blood and platelets and all of the life-giving nutrients that come from that donation, and we ask you to be with those people who will be the recipients of those donations. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, there are prayers on our hearts this day that we've yet to put words to, but we take this moment in silence to turn to you and ask. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We give thanks for the fact that you hear our sighs too deep for words and know our prayers before we even put words to them. Be with each of the places in our lives that need your healing, need your grace, and need your guidance at this time. Reveal to us what we need to know so that we can continue to set course for a better life. We pray all of this saying the prayer that your son taught us.
1: Thank you, and may that be true huh? in all of our hearts. The world is round, and it orbits the sun. Now, for those statements, I could have been branded a heretic some centuries ago. Until then, the cosmos was understood, tech team, understood like this image that I got out of a a good Bible study book. You see that uh, the earth is, is flat there with a canopy above it, an underworld with pillars that hold up the earth. Now until the until the Capernaum Revolution, this was the accepted cosmic concept. And if you contradicted it, you were obviously a heretic and burned at the stake. Did you know this? Of course you did of course you did, but, but we didn't like to think about it. We didn't like to think about it too much. It's true, though. We Christians were burned at the stake for believing differently than the orthodox understanding of how things were, and we burned other people who didn't agree with our understanding of how things were should be. We cut off their heads. We drowned them. We tortured them in very cruel ways because they did not believe what was considered right or correct or orthodox at the time. We even killed people over differing understandings of the Trinity. Theology was treated that seriously or crazily back then. Too often, might meant right in so many things, including religion what we thought. To have such certainty about religious beliefs that you would hurt or kill another over those beliefs, well, you know, we call that nowadays religious fanaticism, don't we? And we just don't like it a bit. To have That kind of certainty, it really is rather amazing and mind-boggling when you think about it nowadays, especially when you think about it and realize that proofs of religious doctrines are oftentimes really kind of lacking. I mean, that's the whole thing about Aquinas and what's going on in the the Middle Ages, and then the Renaissance, the scholasticism in the church, proving things logically that were just very, so very hard to prove. Hence, we use the word beliefs for many of our doctrines. We may believe something is true even if we don't know that it's true personally, or or we simply find it's unprovable so far in the course of of human endeavors. Now, I'm saying all of this to put today's sermon in the appropriate context for us all. We have become more self-reflective and understanding of others as we consider our belief systems than has been the traditions of the past. And that is good. That is good. No need to kill one another over our beliefs. This is a good development. Since we're living with a diverse group of others on this globe and And that simply and clearly, that requires an accepting kind of spirit because we are so interdependent on one another to not only have the right computer chips for our cars or to have a good supply of toilet paper, we are interdependent on one another for our food chain for the well-being of our air and our water on our planet. Yet, yet, it is true, in my mind at least, that in anything goes, all beliefs are equally good kind of mindset is not a pathway towards knowledge and truth or growth and spiritual maturity. We need to continue the search for meaning and for truth, yet we need to do it with humility and with an understanding that other people in other contexts are on a search also. To navigate life well, we need to adopt some basically held facts and helpful understandings of things around us. Basics like gravity, electricity, relativity theory, quantum mechanics, the purpose of stoplights. rules for air traffic controllers, water purification standards, indoor plumbing, all of these kind of basic things and the knowledge that is behind them help us to understand our physical world how it works, how we work within it, and help us to avoid missteps or mishaps as we deal with one another. Now, theology and religious beliefs also help us understand things. They help us understand life's purpose and life's meaning. And how it is that we are to thrive in the midst of it all with one another and for the greater good of one another. Getting clear on what we believe is important if we are to set a course for a better life. It helps us to avoid the shoals. Navigate among the other vessels that are out there on the sea and to stay afloat amid the tempests that arise out there on the seas. In our scripture reading for today, we hear some theological claims of the early church concerning God and and Christ and our eternal disposition. So, tech team, let's... Let's hear our scripture reading for today.
0: Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for the adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasures of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his graces that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, that is, the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God. So as the early church attempted to make sense of Jesus' resurrection and what that resurrection reality meant for other fundamental considerations of our lives, it thought expansively and it thought deeply. And as the decades went by, that became broader and deeper and higher. And it began to discern a cosmic kind of theology that was behind what God was doing in Christ. You're going to want to spend some time today to look at that, ver- uh, that passage and read each verse and think about each verse, what it's saying to you about God and yourself and our relationship and our future. The theology that evolved from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection gave birth to to what I like to call the early Jesus movement, which then as that spread became more of an institutionalized process in the in the Roman society of the early church. The more it became incorporated into the Greco-Roman world, the more it set down its foundations and its roots to becoming something concrete that would live on rather than just a a word-to-word, let me tell you about what's happened in my life and what it's going to do for you in your life. And let's get ready because Jesus is coming back soon. Emperor Constantine forced the issue of orthodoxy to settle the infighting, the bloodletting that I was talking about over the Trinity. And he gathered all the bishops and other leaders of the church together in Nicaea at the Council of Nicaea in in 325 and, and came up with a creed that he was going to enforce upon this new church that they would all just get together and support one another with these beliefs. Now, if you're here in church, you can pick up your hymnal and go back to, in the back of it, to page 880 and look at about 10 pages of creeds of the church that um, extend from those early centuries to our current century. If you are at home and you have not um, squirreled away a hymnal from your church yet uh, to keep at home... um, You may call into the church office, and uh, Vinia and Joanna will be very happy to scan these for you and send them off to you uh, so that you can see them. If you look at those pages, you will see how the church has evolved in its thinking about some main topics of faith, namely the nature of God, the nature of humanity, our human condition, and the purpose and the role of the church to help those two things get together, God and humanity. Well, so here we are in this post-enlightenment. That's the age that we're in right now, we're told. Some people call it the post-modern age. Some people are even saying the post-Christian age, in which truth seems to be relative to a number of things in your lives, one being your political orientation and not just generally accepted facts anymore. And that it seems the crazier one's beliefs are about things, the more attention or the more celebrity they get, the more influential they may become. So, truly, friends, right, we are sailing on turbulent seas. And as we find ourselves buffeted about, we want to ask ourselves whether our theological orientations, our religious beliefs, are embracing God's truths. Are they meeting human needs? And are they uplifting each of our lives individually and in community? Are they helping us navigate our journey, trim our sails, set our course for a better life? As the popular meme, is that the right word? As the popular meme says, if your religion tells you to hate somebody You need a new religion. That sounds a lot like Jesus to me, though I'm sure it's not a biblical statement. Because Jesus, I recall, is the one that said, you know, it all boils down to this, friends, to love God and to love your neighbor. And you know that neighborly love I'm talking to you about? That needs to be a love that you would like to receive as well. Yet I recognize, and I am one of us, that wants a little bit more direction from our theology than just let love lead. And I love that. I say it all the time. Yet I also recognize that sometimes We want a little bit more direction because we have questions that need attention. How do I rear my child? What's the best way to do that? And if I believe in original sin, am I instructing that child differently? Then, if I don't. What kind of pedagogy do I have if I'm not believing in original sin with how I treat my grandchildren? Religion makes a difference there. Where are you on that issue? Can I get divorced? My marriage feels pretty crummy Still got a lot of years in front of me. Prisoners say that to Rachel and I, one way or another, a lot. Because the Bible has some really direct language on divorce, and we have some patterns about divorce in our society. Can I get divorced, Pastor, and still be good with God? Well, what do you think? It's your theology that answers that question. Where do you stand on that? Now, if Jesus was a pacifist, how can there be so many warrior Christians around us? And is modern stewardship different than in biblical days? Has our sexual practices and gender ideas rightly or wrongly changed over the last two millenniums? There may be a shipwreck waiting in any of these or other challenging questions of life. And the theological positions that are behind those questions and solutions. We need to think through anew for our time what we believe, what the eternal truth of God is for us as it makes itself real in the challenges of our day. Perhaps God has not stopped sharing God's self with us. Perhaps there are new understandings of how we are to be in right relationship with one another that glorifies God and helps one another. Pastor Rachel and I are here. This is one of the reasons why we are here among you is to be helpful in thinking through these kind of things. And there's a good number of very thoughtful members of this congregation who are here as well as your spiritual mentors or as your uh, spiritual colleagues who are more than willing to sit over a cup of coffee or on the phone or in the internet with you and chat with you about these questions to kind of think through what might be our right understanding. You know, our denomination got going not because of a theological argument. You know, the Baptist church became the Baptist church because those in the Baptist church thought there was a different theology of baptism, And so, hence, all that happened. We Methodists just felt that God had something for us to do in the world to make it better. It wasn't a doctrinal argument. It was a practical theology argument. How are we to live and care for our brothers and our sisters? But all those have theological backdrops those questions of how we love, how we care for our brothers and sisters. So we Methodists have a, have a quick little system that I'm going to just repeat to you again real quickly as we end this sermon because I'm not going to be giving you any answers this morning about how to fall into lockstep belief with Rachel and I. That's your journey. We're here to help you on that journey. But that's your journey for your thoughtfulness and your prayer life. And your encounter with God and your conversation with God, perhaps at four o'clock in the morning when you wake up, thinking that, well, maybe I don't have that quite right. Wesley believed that the living core of the Christian faith was revealed in Scripture. Revealed in Scripture. These are great phrases. Write them down if you've got a pencil. Revealed in scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified, <laughs> made real, vivified in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. And just for fun, we call it the Methodist quadrilateral. What's a quadrilateral? Something with four sides, huh? I've made it a trapezoid. Is that what I've done in that drawing? I usually make it an equilateral triangle, and I tilt it to a side. But then I thought, well, some people are going to think I'm tilting it towards a side. So um, I want to tilt it to a side. I want it to go up. And Scripture is our key resource, the primary resource foundation for our thinking. So you want Scripture to be a little bigger in the graph. And so got it there at the bottom, a little bit bigger. Here's how this works. You good Methodists, if you're unaware about it right now, here's how it works. You ask yourself, what should I do about this topic? Should I believe in virgin birth? Do I believe in life eternal? Do I believe that it's okay for me to be taking drugs Under certain circumstances, do I believe in this kind of sexual expression? Do I uh, believe in divorce? Do I believe in uh, warfare for the right? Do I, um, what do I believe about baptism? What do I think about the social contract that helps a society hold itself together if there's some compromising things to my belief system in it? Whatever the topic Literally, whatever the topic, our first go-to is Scripture. What's in Scripture about it? Is there anything? Is there anything in Scripture about it? Has God's Holy Word looked at this, talked about this? Have they grappled with it? What's in Scripture about this topic? Oftentimes, we find some contradictions in Scripture, since it's a document written over a 1,000 years, It's Judeo-Christian heritage of our faith. Sometimes the Christian part is a little bit um, different than the Judeo part of it. So we read with a good eye the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we seek to find what is God's word for us. Is there an eternal truth coming out of the context of that? And then we go and we say, well, what is the tradition of the church, the tradition of the faith? Many of us are not church historians, but you, you look up the topics. Maybe you're Googling them. Don't just go to Wikipedia. Go to Rachel's library. Come down here to the church's library or, or go to Amazon and get a book on uh, church history. But the idea is that you're not the first person to try to struggle through this question. We Christians have been doing it for 2,000 years, perhaps looking at this question. What has been the churches? what is the tradition of the faith's take on this question? Third thing is experience. Do you have anything in particular out of your life experience to bring to the table to help with this question? Maybe your marriage has informed you with a different perspective, opened and expanded your understanding. Or maybe the community you live in because of the type of people in the community have opened your mind up to understanding things a little bit differently, the experiences you've had perhaps. Basically, the thought is, is God sharing a new revelation in the current age that you're open to and hearing? And then fourth, what makes sense? How do I hold these three sources in some kind of coherence? God gave us brains that function in logical fashions. What's reasonable? Wesley believed that the living core of our faith is what should anchor our lives, propel our lives forward, not the side issues of our beliefs. As to all opinions which do not strike at the root of Christianity, we think and we let think, is one of his classic lines. Well, is this too flexible for you? Or is this really kind of Fits nicely in in how you want to struggle and grow and blossom as a child of God. You are the captain of your ship, you live with the consequences of your thoughts and your decisions. Steep them in God's holy word, the tradition of the church, your current experience of God's presence in your life. And use your brain to set your course for a better life. Amen. (laughs)
2: One of the things that I love most about the United Methodist Church is that we are encouraged to think for ourselves and come to our own conclusions. And one of the conclusions that I've come to is that Pastor Walt and I have different understandings of what is easy. Because if a quantum mechanics is easy, I'm in trouble.
3: <laughs>
2: but all of that being said, I'm so thankful for a safe harbor where I can come and wrestle with those questions of faith and know that I have a group of people who are supporting me along the way. And we thank, we are so thankful for a God who guides us on that journey. This is a time in our worship service where we reflect on those gifts and graces that God has given us, and how we might respond faithfully to all that we have received. And we do this by presenting our tithes, gifts, and offerings, as well as contemplating what our stewardship gift might be, and giving those in honor and in praise to a God who has served us and has loved us so well. We will receive the gift of music as we reflect on all that we've heard this day.
1: We hope this service has been a blessing to you. You know, seeking clarity on what it is you believe about life, about God, humanity. uh, That's the way, that's the way towards setting and navigating your course to a better life. Be humble. Be open. Be clear. Find ways in which to let love lead as you find ways to have greater clarity of what it is that makes the leading of love what's right in your life and in the world. Know that in this enterprise you are surrounded by God's grace and by the good wishes of of all of us gathered here with you, shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, computer screen to computer screen. Be safe, stay healthy. Know that you are loved. Amen.